You're listening to the Power and Lifting Podcast. I'm your host, Solana Lewis. And in this podcast, we will talk about the sports of powerlifting, what it's like to be a female strength athlete, what it's like to be a strength coach, nutrition, tips to help yourself in your athletic endeavors, and more. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive into today's podcast. On today's podcast, I did an interview with Shireen Marcel. Shireen has been powerlifting for a few years now, and she had her first big debut at the Kern 2021 just a couple of weeks ago. So in this podcast, we talk about how her meet at the Kern went, how she became the second woman in the 198-pound weight class to squat 600 pounds, her goals of breaking the world record in her weight class this year, what she plans to do differently in her training to attain her goals, how she is now a personal trainer herself and helping other people reach their strength goals. And we also talk about some awesome influences in her life, such as her coach and some other people who are part of her team, her physical therapists, and other people who are helping her get stronger daily. So without further ado, let's get started with today's podcast. Hi, Shireen. I'm so excited to get started today. Um, you just had an awesome debut at the Kern. Yeah, it was pretty, it was an interesting day. <laughs> yes. And so before we dive into your performance and just how everything went and like the training for it, how it went, first of all, how did you, Shereen, get started in powerlifting? Um, uh, a few years back, I went on like a little weight loss journey. And um, from there, I met someone who kind of like got me, it was like, just like a trainer at 24 Hour Fitness. He got me sort of into lifting, um, swapped over to CrossFit. And then that's when I found my first official powerlifting meet that I um, did. I think that was probably, could be wrong, maybe about 2016-ish. Nice. That's about five years ago when you got into powerlifting. Yeah, roughly five, six years ago. And what federation was that first competition at? It was um, it wasn't another federation. It was pretty much just like a mock meet. Um, they usually have it in Brooklyn. It was to um raise awareness. Um, last I checked, um, so that was the first time I ever got into um lifting. My first like official federation that I competed in would be RPS. Okay, that's amazing. That was my first federation too. And moving on from there is definitely very very different. But did you like the RPS atmosphere that first meet? Like, how'd that first meet go? That made you want to keep going on? Um, I like the atmosphere for the most part. Um, it's very different. I guess I'm a little bit biased now. Um, I feel like RPS in New York is very different from uh, when you go to RPS, like, on the West Coast or, like, in Kentucky or those areas. Like, it's, like, very much so different. However, regardless, like, the people that attend and everything, they make the atmosphere what it is. Exactly. That's so true, though. Like, I've never been to... Because you're in New York, right, Shereen? Yeah, I'm currently based out of the Bronx. Nice, nice. So i definitely never been to RPS meet on the West Coast. Well, it really, like, varies, like I said, because, like, 
the next meet I am doing is RPS. However, it is not going to be RPS um, in the state of New York. It's going to be um, on the Ohio on the Ohio side, but it is, um, I believe it's hosted um, by Live Large. Nice. It's one of their, it's one of um, their meets because the whole objective is kind of like taking what I learned from the current as like a, you know, teachable moment, but still getting what I initially wanted by the end of the year, which I do want the all-time world record by the end of the year. So it's kind of like back to the drawing board before I go back to the current next year. Okay, so let's dive into that because this meet made you, correct me if I'm wrong, the second woman in the 198-pound class to even squat 600 pounds, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so right now at the top of our weight class right now is Crystal Tate with um, 640, which the goal was to beat Crystal Tate's um, record. But I believe like when you go into certain like particular meets, especially like one such as the current, which is like the most elite meet that I've ever been to, um, it's pretty much pain, like playing um, chess, not checkers, right? So you go on with particular goals, but you need to learn how to adapt. So the like, you know, like you want to stay in the meet, you don't want to bomb. And sometimes it's just pretty much about leaving your mark. So it's like, now you know who I am. You know the possibilities of what I'm capable of. I may not have been perfect that day. However, teachable moments again, like you, it's literally one of those things where powerlifting is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, it took me five years to even like get to the level that I'm at and I'm still not where I would want to be. So I think, however, the difference is going into the, like the meet I'm continuing at right now is I'm starting very, very early with my prep. So basically this off season, cause like some of the most like top elite lifters you see, they have massive backs. So it's great to have like one particular lift. That's like really amazing. Um, I believe most people classify me as like a squat specialist because that's my strongest lift. However, this time I want to go in more well-rounded. Um, I promise you I'm, I'm getting my world record this time, but I do want to like, you know, like chase a total at the end of the day too, because that's what's going to like keep like raising the bar for athletes such as myself and you, like when we like, you know, like move on to other meets. Yes, absolutely. And that makes sense because you're right. There are a lot of people who have like their one specialty from either squat, bench or deadlift. But if you can make like the gains and even the bench and deadlift, even though those aren't like your strongest points, that overall total is going to push you so much farther too. Exactly. Yes. And so then let's dive into this. So you went into me, we got your 600 on the second attempt. The first one moved fast but wasn't depth, right? Yeah, so I'm particularly the type of athlete, like I thrive off of feedback. So um, the first one, I did not get depth. So opposed to just like walking off and just letting my coach handle like everything else, like, you know, like he made the executive decision for me to take it again. I made the executive decision to go to the side judge that red lighted me and ask like how much particularly lower that they want me to go and that's just me and meets in general like I always pay respects to the judges or just simply ask questions because you won't learn nor get better if you do not ask questions mm-hmm. so um at that point I guess that's when I realized like the all-time world record would be like a hit or miss to be very frank with you but I rather get an extremely clean squat and know that I earned it and then go back to the drawing board and train exactly how that last squat that I had moved, which was completely to depth, 
mm-hmm. um, in every way, shape or form. And that is how I intend on training moving forward. My coach is probably going to be adding like a lot of pause squats in the hole. So I know how to like, you know, like, cause when you're in wraps compared to when you're in sleeve, it's a whole different ball game yeah. and wraps. You could think you're at depth, especially if you have a good wrap or like that's wrapping you super tight. It depends on your pain tolerance and for the most part, but when you're thinking you're at depth, you're not. And there are a lot of people who bomb because of that. Like, and they kept going um, up and up and up in weight. But truthfully, like, again, the one thing my coach has always been heavy on, if we missed, if we missed it because of depth, we're going to take it again and we're going to hit it and then we're going to move forward. And yeah, that's a really smart game plan because I did see some people who, because there were, first of all, there was a lot of red lights in the squad, like it for everyone across the board. There, I think I witnessed at the current serene like a total of 10 squats that got three white lights. <laughs> like, yeah, like, go ahead. Uh, like, it's a lot of people like deem it like crazy, but if you really think about it, like the, the way WRPF is moving and the way Russ and Gracie has like kind of, um, like said the bar is if we are going to be one of the top federations in the in the USA that's handing out money because I mean like if you think about it they invested a lot of money into these meets right so if you're going to invest so much money into these meets to these top elite athletes you have to hold them to a certain standard and I think that's what they're expecting at the current now especially like you know being under WRPF which originally um, I believe came from Europe like you're going it's fair to be called on depth. Like you want to make sure every single lift that you have from these elite lifters, whether they come in first place, second place, but you have almost everyone at the current went for an all-time world record. And if you're going to do something like that, you want to make sure that you call them on depth and you hold everyone accountable for the most part. So I think that's like what it was like, especially like when you like literally at this meet, like 600 has become the new norm for like women lifters where like 500 is like the new 400 600 is now becoming like the new 500 so it's like pretty exciting but then you still have to hold these lifters accountable because you don't work all year round like during a pandemic and everything so you can step on stage and get a high squad and then you know like have it be called a world record it's just pretty much not fair a hundred percent. I think what made me so excited about watching this meet was I thought the judging throughout the entire meet, especially on the day two for the woman, was very, like, consistent. And I think in the past, and I've seen a lot of people go for, like, the all-time, like, world records in federations like WRPF. Like, I've seen, like, sometimes they, like, pass the high squats. And this meet, it was, like, they came and they were, like, no, we are going to make sure the judging's on point this meet. And that made me, like, really excited. Because just like you said, like, if you're going to have a meet where a lot of people train for a freaking year to go for all-time world records, they better actually get it with the standards that are set. Yeah, like, when you have, like, a front judge like Christy Hawkins and um you know like I forgot the other judge's name like yeah like (laughs) they're gonna hold you accountable and that was like pretty amazing to see the most important thing like that was even better is the fact that there was the and I think a lot of lifters fear or maybe they get like caught in a moment to not ask for feedback and sometimes people just know where they went wrong at right so but me um, the way that I plan to continue to grow is I'm always going to ask the judge for feedback. If you give me a red light or my lift hasn't passed, 
I'm going to go where that red light came from and I'm going to ask for feedback and you don't have to ask it in an aggressive way. Like the judges are, they have no issues like verbalizing to you like, hey, so this is where you went wrong. This is where I think you could do better and I'm holding you to that standard. And I love that. I think that's really good advice for any lifter to hear. Like you can go to the judge, they're not going to bite you. That's what they're there for. Yeah, their job is not to fight you. Their job is to hold you accountable. Like if you really like looked at the like live stream, a lot of these meets, like the judges cheer for you as well. Like they scream for you as well. So they want you to win. It's not a matter of like, yeah, like I don't want you to hit this record. I don't want you to hit this. It's like, if you're going to hit it under one of the like top upcoming federations that are holding like a copious amount of top tier meets, right? You can't just expect to get free money. Like you have to, you got to earn it. Like, yes, like you're pretty strong, but are you hitting it to death? Are you as your form intact? So it's just, and a lot of people are going to have opinions on this. So I just want to like, really like clarify like that. This is just like my observations thus far. Um, it was my first time at the current, but this is just the observation that I have had thus far. Yes. Okay. So Shireen, so moving on from your squat. So you just mentioned that you and your coach, and I believe you're coached by Corey Haynes, right? Corey Hayes, yeah. Yes, Corey Hayes. And so you and your coach kind of went back to the drawing board already and you're talking about how you're going to make improvements. So is there a game plan to make sure or to make it easier that when you go into your deadlift, you have more energy? Because a lot of lifters in general, like they will go so hard in the squat that it's hard to keep that energy going throughout the meet to deadlift, especially someone like, like you who specializes in their best lift being the squat. Like what is the game plan to like, push through that deadlifts you still have some sort of energy going so here's the tricky part like I always have energy for my deadlifts on my first um opening attempt I pretty much pinched a nerve so because I pinched that nerve um my left hand kind of like lightly slightly gave out so I knew the second was going to be a hit or miss it was just a matter of like you know what like I'm at the point I finished the meet so it's like do I really want to pull to get injured, especially seeing as how I did not get the all-time world record that I wanted this year as of yet? So that is where I kind of tapped out. So game plan basically is I um, had to get an MRI, figure out what was the cause, um, complete therapy session with um, Justin, who I continuously work with out of White Plains. Um, that is like my sports massage therapist, and he has guided me. Now, other thing that's going to be different is I'm closer to weight than I was. Cause when I officially started this prep, um, I would say back in December is when I got a nutritionist and I was about 250 pounds. So leverage has changed significantly and everything within the two months, because from the two months of that time frame, I cut down to, you know, like to 198. So now I'm starting at a closer standpoint. So the goal is to sit at 190 and initially like take these, like, I would say next couple of months to, right now, like do like cardio, but do cardio with intent, not anything like, you know, like running on a treadmill. Like I would say, for example, like the Stairmaster, um, short, but effective. So let's just say, hypothetically speaking, 20 minutes or 30 minutes, um, nothing too fast, just like moderate speed to like really develop my legs and then focus on my back after we get things situated because, um, the nerve that's like from the neck going all the way down. Once that's situated, like just focus on a ton of like upper body accessories, like bodybuilding is one of the key components, like to you getting like a massive back, like the main lifts are great, but it's like, what does it really take to, you know, get like those main lifts to click. Right. So bodybuilding and from there, just like 
getting tighter on my bench and everything. And with deadlifts, I feel like deadlifts are just like going to kind of like, you know, like just like, I'm just going to like let nature take its course at that point. Cause once I'm not injured or nothing's tweaked or anything, it's just a matter of I'm usually fast off the ground. So literally focusing on like lockouts. Um, this is just like, again, me making slight observations. Corey Hayes is literally one of those mad scientists, like where just like me, I really like, I hate losing more than I love winning. So um, the people that I went against, like, yeah, they deserve to win. They're amazing athletes. However, I don't do silver. I don't do silver. I don't do second place. So my objective is one way or the other, like I'm going to get that all-time world record um, total and the squad by the end of the year. That is the goal. And that's why I chose a meet to give me just enough time, 27 weeks to literally get my act together. So even in the off season, there is going to be a lot of changes. There's going to be progression. Um, just taking things just as serious as I did throughout the last bit of my meet, but it's like getting what I actually wanted, which was more time. So time to focus on like, you know, like even like after weigh-ins, like, you know, like trying to like, you know, like pig out or whatever this week, my body's not even really like, my body's actually rejecting the junk food. So it's like back to, back to meal prepping on a consistent basis. Cause there's like a theory that my coach has, if you want to perform like an elite athlete, you have to live like one train, like one, like you have to be one all across the board that comes with recovery, mental health, everything matters. And that is one of the things that I feel makes Corey, like one of the most like underrated coaches, because he doesn't say much. And when he doesn't say anything to me, I'm not concerned if I ever see a little bubble pop up where he's saying something, I know it's either really good or really bad. Um, but that's just one of those coaches that he is like, he checks in on you like here or there. He doesn't micromanage, but he's going to make sure like, if so long as you're honest, like he'll work with you in terms of, okay, how's your mental health? Okay. So you're overthinking this, try listening to this podcast and just grab some key components from it and kind of like level, like level yourself out. Probably try getting off social media for the week or, putting your phone down for a day and going for a walk outside. Like, I think like a lot of us, because like, you know, like throughout the pandemic, like being just home and everything like that, whether it be working from home, especially we get sucked into the light of like social media and forget to actually live. And that play, when you really get yourself sucked into social media, then you care too much about the opinions of others or what they're putting out there. Like there was some, this thing going around, throughout the pandemic where it's like if you did not come out with a skill set through the pandemic like what are you doing with your life and I thought that was at first I was like you're right that's actually pretty dope but it's not because we all deal with things differently then you feel forced to live to particular expectations that may not like be quite for you in this moment because we all have a calling we all have something for us and just because someone put it out there in the universe like something that they came out with it doesn't mean that it's for you and honestly I think the best thing I want to grab from what you just said is that you clearly talking about how you need to be an athlete in every part of your life, not just like when you go into the gym, but you also have a team for that. Like, I think what's really underrated is, you know, making sure you're managing your nutrition, but you have a nutrition coach, making sure you're managing like that you are not in pain or if there is pain or something like that, you go seek a resource. And you just told me you have a physical therapist you work with. So it seems like you have a full team to help guide you and push you to be the best you can be this next coming meet. 
Yeah. So it's like, I kind of just like realigned my entire focus, right? Because I loved working with my um, nutritionist, Derek Wilcox. Like we thought my goals were pretty out of reach. To be very honest, when we first started, um, you know, like literally coming in at 250, I mean, like, yeah, I want to compete in 198. It's like, well, it's doable. It's not going to be fun, but it's, it's doable. And it just, when your mental is where it really needs to be in that particular moment, like that everything else just like falls into place. Right. And that's something I've realized um, throughout this particular training leading up to meet day, my mental plays a big role. in if I get a lift or if I don't, and I have no like shame in saying like, yeah, I am like naturally an emotional individual, but that doesn't make me less than that does not mean that I, you know, like I'm not capable of, it just means that I have to align my goals differently. And this time I made the executive decision to be very selfish with my training. So meaning I'm going back to my nutritionist, going back to the drawing board or making sure we're on point sports massage therapist. We are going to be besties. We're probably going to see each other three times out of the week to make sure every single thing, like I don't have to be perfect, but if I could come close to it as possible on that platform and have textbook form in every possible way and a resource for everything, then I'm good in terms of training, changing up my training environment, like just a little bit in terms of whether it be time, my focus, like there should be no reason why I get into the gym and I spend aside from working with clients, there should be no reason why throughout a workout I'm spending like six, seven hours, make it short, make it effective, get to the point, give it the same energy I would give on the platform, focus and get it done and get out. So that way I could have sleep on time. I could like make my meals on time and everything like that and do everything with intent because I do not intend on like being one of those lifters where it's like, yeah, I'm just doing this like, you know, mediocre, like, yeah, it's a hobby. It's like, whatever it's not. And I have no shame in admitting like this sport definitely changed my life. And my experience, my experience may not be the same as everybody else's, but this is particularly speaking to how this sport has changed my life. And I intend on going out and leaving a legacy. If I'm going to, at one point, hang my bell up, to, you know, start a family or whatever the case may be. I want to make sure whatever record I set um, over hell and high water, it will take someone years to beat. And I want someone to beat my, like my records eventually. Like, and I think it's completely doable. Like we have so, like so many amazing women in this sport, like Heather Hunter, um, Emma DeStallion, I believe her name is, I could be wrong. I'm probably calling her by her, by her, um, IG. Sorry, I think I cut off. But I'm pretty sure I'm calling her by pretty much like her Instagram name or something of the, of that nature. And but there are a lot of like amazing women in this sport. And like I said, like if you really like look through all the weight classes, the women that are hitting 600 or like triple quadruple times their body weight, anything is possible. But I want to leave my mark, and it's always going to be the legacy for me. It's never going to be just the numbers. So it's going to be you know, like, what did I do that was different? And my difference is I bring energy and it's not for everyone. People are going to be like all of that just to get a lift. And <laughs> I'm very as like blunt and transparent as, as I can get. Um, I am who I am and I'm not changing for everyone, for anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It's either you're going to like me and respect the work that I've done or you're not either way. Um, no one else's opinion is going to make me lose sleep at night for, or change the way that I have a passion for this sport. So that's just like fairly like where I stand. That is like, honestly, the drive you have 
is like riveting to me. And I'm sure that's kind of what pushed you to create your whole brand system of powerlifting, right? Yeah, that one was a learning experience, a very big learning experience. Um, possibly in the future, looking to take it in a different like path, like in terms of like having like a stronger team and everything. Um, first things first, like working on just like getting refunds out, getting um, final orders out and everything of that nature. When you see, when I started this um, brand, I was very young from a mental standpoint, um, but I was excited because it's like, an opportunity to see more girls like me, but then the bigger picture is teachable moments, right? Um, I have amazing friends like Noli Patterson and every, and you know, Bree and a few other women who like taught me a lot, but it shouldn't just be about rep like, you know, like representation. It should also be about people fear what they do not understand. Therefore, whether we like it or not, like it is our business to educate because if we educate, people and what they do not know then it's you know it's in it's embedded in their head so when you kind of like do stuff like that it kind of turns into a habit where they're like okay so I know what this means I know why this is offensive now to someone I know why you know like there's gonna be anger that strives from this because this has a history of pain behind it and we're not talking just like you know like a lasting day pain like you know centuries of it right so although some of us may feel it is not our job to like teach anyone anymore and everything, unfortunately, like, you know, like we have to continue doing so not just for ourselves, but for, you know, the kids that we may have or anything of that nature, like we have to raise the bar, we have to set standards. And most importantly, we have to create boundaries. Um, when there are no boundaries, then you leave room for people to tap dance over those and that was one of my biggest flaws, like where I just did not know how to set boundaries with people. And it came down to one of those things where it's like, it turned from like, you know, coaching and advice to just too much going on. And like, I let it overwhelm me because I am one person. And like, I never thought in a million years, like the mark would be left in terms of like how it is. But because of those learning experiences and everything like that, now I know how to move forward. And I think that's the best part about what everything you just said. It's just like, everything is a learning experience. Like, like life is literally, okay, I didn't do this so well. So let me learn from it and move forward. And that can help you so much in every aspect of your life. Yeah, it really, it really, really has. Like, um, before I, for a while, I was very depressed, um, more than I show. And then I realized, you know what, like, if I'm going to use my platform, I'm going to use it for transparency and honesty. So that's why when people ask me any, literally any questions, whether it be about a sport or anything, I, I'm very open and I'm very, like, um, honest as I can be, like, to, like, you know, whether I be, I point them in the right direction, um, so long as it does not conflict with, like, you know, like, my actual nine to five, like, where it would, like, put anything at risk. I'm just very open and honest. But everything that I've been through, everything that, like, um, I touch anything that I, you know, screw up. It all taught me something and everything in my life kind of is just like clicking in a sense. So it's like one of those things where like, you know, like even working for like for Microsoft, like thinking that working from home was going to be, yeah, it's going to be super easy. It wasn't. There were like a lot of like trials, but then the things that they taught us, like throughout all of those meetings, throughout all those coaching, like, and it's a great company to work for because 
like even providing therapists for us, like to make sure we're good, like just everything clicking, like it just came together and it made me very grateful because then I was able to take all of those experiences, like from Microsoft, from powerlifting, from the businesses that I learned and made mistakes from, like, and it just taught me a lot. And I, I'm one of those people, I have no problem like continuing to make mistakes because from each of those, I get better. Exactly. That's literally how you learn and that is how you grow. So then tell us, tell the audience, what are you currently doing now? You talked to us about how you were in charge of the powerlifting, you work for Microsoft. Currently, what do you do? What is your nine to five? Um, my nine to five is pretty much um, at Microsoft. I've always been into technology for a while, like on the low, I guess. Um, not super, super techie, but I love illustrating. I love um, working with special needs groups and everything like that. I love working with kids. So like for the most part, I've hosted like a copious amount of like community events through Microsoft. Um, that is pretty much like my drive and passion. I probably love kids more than I love adults. Um, and I love special needs group because it's like when you like see people with special needs, like a lot of people have a lot of negatives to say about them or think of them as less than. But they're called special needs for a minute because they're special. Like they have there it's like um there was a movie kind of about it where someone lacked in one thing but they were super smart like they just turned out to be a genius and i've taught these like guys how to code and some of them like coding that's supposed to take literally like about like let's say 30 minutes an hour some of these guys like they finish it in five like so that's like what they are you just need to find their passion and you just need to like be patient right so my focal point on this, like my focal point as of right now is kind of like figuring out which direction exactly I want to fully go. And I know I do love helping people. So that's why I kind of like started taking coaching just a little bit more seriously, I guess. Um, Cause I feel like ever, just like everybody is different, literally in the physical aspect and mental, every athlete is different. Therefore every athlete is going to require a different goal. Um, in the fitness culture there's a lot of things around like you know like highlighting just losing weight or whatever the case may be but it's like are you like truly getting to know your client do you probably realize that if they are not confident they may not make progression at all because they're probably in a bad place you don't have to be best friends with your client I've learned to set that boundary um but you need them to be comfortable enough with you because they're going to be struggling and like, they need you to push them. That's why they pay the amount of money that they do like for in-person coaching. So you need to get them to a comfortable aspect. So what I usually do is I send out like, um, kind of like a weekly um, checklist where it's like, hey, like, you know, like, how are you feeling? Um, is there anything like, I'm a big believer in fearless feedback. Do you have any feedback for me? So that way I could better help you because just because you're a trainer does not like, that's why they say coaches need coaches too, right? Because you don't know everything and you're never going to, because the world is changing. People are changing and you're dealing with a lot of people now who suffer like from a lot of depression and just a lack of confidence because they feel like they let themselves go during the pandemic when that's not really it. I love to train women in particular because then I know what it feels like to be in that place and then when I everything just clicked for me and I felt better my confidence changed I was no longer timid or shy or afraid to show skin like you go people talking about summer body quite frankly summer gonna get whatever body I give it realistically <laughs> but it's like 
if you feel confident, then there is no one on this earth that could make you feel like you are not beautiful. And because I love seeing these different women come in, like when I train them, because they're also like they something kind of like changes throughout our workout. I make sure they're smiling, they're laughing, throwing some jokes or whatever the case may be. And then they just become more open and then progression just thrives from there. Oh my so, God. yeah. Yes. And like, honestly, Shireen, as a coach myself, like the biggest thing I have learned myself is you cannot just take care of their programming. Coaching is learning them as a person, learning how they respond to the way you speak to them. Like you can literally be one person, Shireen, and I'm sure you have to have like sort of like a different uh, way of talking to each person. Yeah. Some people I have to be more stern with. Um, and set boundaries. I've always been the type of person, um, as of lately, I don't match energy, but I'm gonna protect mine and I'm gonna gauge yours, right? So I'm gonna see with each client, like I like to see where they're at mentally. Like if someone like is very timid and shy and like just keep doubting themselves, then I know what to like how to like, you know, like move with them, which is I'm going to add forcefully like two to three mental health days in there for you, and we're gonna fix it. It may not happen overnight, but we're going to fix it. And that's what I do. So first things first with like every single one of my clients, I made um, a partnership with Justin from Arise Fitness, who he is a sports massage therapist. And he's amazing because his objective is not to keep you. He does not want you to stay in his office. He wants you to be fixed and send you on your way and give you drills to do. So something that would normally cost anywhere from 150 to 200 is free for each of the people that I coach. And prior to them, like physically starting with me, I send them to him. So I know if they have any injury, like injuries, how to gauge, you know, income mobility issues. And from there, um, I like to do this thing where I call an assessment where I, I have them come into the physical I, location that I'm in. If not, we set up like a Zoom call or anything like that. And then I kind of like kind of I kind of just have them do basic drills, like so I can see how far I can push them. Um, a lot of my clients favorite word is no. Um, I try to change that as best as I can. Like, I'm going to push you, but the whole objective is to push you to the point of like, because if you do the same things over and over, you're not going to see change. Your body's just going to get comfortable. But if you like, not only like, you know, like get past like the, the bad stages, which is like, you know, the 20 rep stages, like when you're doing accessories and all these things and you see that you can do, they feel different. They feel confident. Like, oh my God, like I actually did this. And then the confidence starts and I'm like, okay, so I can push you to this degree it's not that you can't do it it's that you fear failing and that's what it usually is a lot with like clients like for some reason they fear failing and they fear disappointing their trainer but you should never feel like you're disappointing your trainer your trainer is there to literally train you to coach I like saying coach actually better because that's how I view myself like I like to be a resource for my clients in every way shape or form that's why I like got myself even a secondary phone so that way I could just keep them separate from my like you know like my personal phone so they could contact me 24 hours and it's like if I'm up I'm gonna make sure you're okay uh I had a client where she felt she got so obsessed with the scale where she felt like she was not making any progression but I'm like do you see the difference in your body composition like you came in and you could not even do one singular squat and her squat at first was the most atrocious thing I've ever seen. Like I would have never been so scared to the point where I had to put her back to the PVC pipe. I was like, no, 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 get off. Like 
put the bar down right now, right now, right now. I don't know what your insurance is like, but like you're damn sure not going to get injured underneath me. So we are going back to the PVC pipe. And until like, you know, like you perfect this to the degree where it's like, I could trust you under a, just the bar without having to spot you. We're starting from this, but like, even like that was like a month ago and now she's squatting 135. Perfect. It's just, she overthinks. And when you like just start targeting little things just to see that smile on their face and the confidence, it makes a whole difference in how they perform and progress. Oh my goodness. And that is so true. And that story right there is like amazing where you're telling me that this woman, like <laughs> you're like, no, you not hurt yourself. And now it's like, she needed someone to believe in her and trust that she could actually do it. And you're that person in her life where four weeks later, tremendous change. And now you can actually help her immensely to understand that she's changing in multiple ways. And the scale is not the end all be all. So Yeah, like I honestly, after like for the next like month, I just got rid of the scale mentality for I was like, I want you to just leave the scale alone for a bit. So with each client, I actually develop. Um, it was something that like I actually started doing when I was at my nine to five. And it decided to let me kind of like try like, you know, doing it now. So what I do is I create client portfolios. Um, so with client portfolios, I have pictures in there of them. I have notations on how their mental is. I have when they went to their last PT appointment with Justin, if I feel like they may need another one. Um, just everything so, like so that way, because it's a lot of women. So it's like, I want to make sure I'm on top of things. So it's like, I know you better as a person. And for this client, um, I'm pretty sure she doesn't mind if I speak about her name, Sabrina. She is possibly one of the best clients I've ever worked with because I've never heard someone say I hate it here like five times in a 45 minute session, but they still keep coming back. And sometimes I all I have to do is throw in a little threat like, OK, so I guess we're doing the hack squat machine this week. And she'll just, she'll just get it done. And I don't think she realizes like the amount of change she's made in like literally a month, like someone who could not even do a basic jog or sprint is literally doing like resistant, like a band training now, like literally sprinting with the band and like doing it with intent. Like she'll, she'll be dying. She'll probably, she'll always say she hates it here, but she she comes back and like someone who was like, I remember when I first told her she could communicate with me. She was so scared all the time where she'll be like, I don't want to bother you. I was like, you're paying me monthly. And quite frankly, like, I want to make sure I'm not one of those coaches where it's like, you're going to pay me. And it's like, I want minimum con like contact from you. Like, I want you to communicate with me. Cause if you communicate with me, communication kills conflict. Therefore, I'm aware of whatever it is that you may be feeling. And I want you to ask questions because if you ask questions, I'm going to possibly have a solution. If I don't have a solution, I can find one for you or find you the perfect resource. Oh, my gosh, dude. So many keys were just dropped for anyone who is thinking about being a coach <laughs> or who is a coach. Yeah, okay. like it's important. Like a lot of trainers feel like they need to like have it all like or know it all like you really don't like partner with the right people. Like you be, people will be surprised. Like my actual coach coaches me on how to be a better coach. Mm -hmm. Like Justin, like 
that's a great resource to have. Like I partner with other people who are coaching to pick their brain. There's another amazing coach um, that I recently met, like, and he really changed my life in such a short period of time. His name is Andrew. Um, his wife, fiance, I keep calling her his wife because they're just like such a perfect match. Um, she's a therapist. And like, I picked his brain and never in a million years did I ever feel like I would impact people or they could impact me in a way where 48 hours before my meet, they will decide to hop on a flight with me to make sure I'm okay for my own performance. Like drop everything in their life for that, like 48 hours before I'm supposed to fly out and say, I don't care what is in my bank account. I'm going to just buy this right now. And I'm there with you and I'm there for you. And I bring him up because he has a way. And this is why I say like, I'm on his fiance, like Monica, they're a perfect match because they balance each other and they teach you how to be calm to the point where it's almost like you read energy. And when you read energy or you're more attentive to a person opposed to just speaking, you see where their mental is at in a sense and you know how to gauge better to calm them down or just the right thing to say. And we still have conversations like not every single day, but just enough like because they're the type of friends where they give me just enough space because naturally I am an introvert, but they still gauge to see like if I'm feeling okay and this is why it was so easy for me to make weight when I was um, at the current because he just, I mean, the positive, because of the flight, you know, like being on a flight makes you bloated a little bit. Um, my biggest fear was the sauna. I, mm -hmm. I, I can't emphasize on how much I hate the sauna and I would rather go up a weight class before I have to sit in the sauna. I promise you that I'm that dramatic. Like if you put <laughs> me in the, if you put me in the sauna, I'm going to bang through that door. Like I hate it, but it was just simple things like he got me so calm to the point where in a day like I lost six pounds and then just had me spitting in a cup and it all came from me feeling calm and this is like what I mean like when you have the right people in your corner with positive intent who generally don't want anything for, like from you but just like friendship really like everything pays away and that goes for coaching too so just because one coach didn't work for you doesn't mean that sometimes they're a bad coach. It just means that that person probably just wasn't for you, but you will probably see that they're perfect with another person. And that's why there is variety in this world. Right. And that's why there is room for everyone to eat because you may need a different type of coach than I may need. Right. So I don't like my coaches on top of me or for lack of better words, kissing my ass. Um, just like, give it to me straight, like, give it to me raw doggy. Like, let me know, like, was it high? Yes. Cool. I'll sink it. Was my bench sloppy? Cool. What do I need to work on? Like some people prefer different, but I just like it straightforward. And some people probably require a coach that's going to be a little bit more like nurturing and that is completely okay. So that's why I say again, like, even with like my other friend that's a coach, his name is Henry, like his clients make such progression because he's just enough in terms of like nurturing, but not too overbearing. Mm -hmm. And if you like, 
the way I look at Henry and like we've had our ups and downs in our friendships, but if it's one thing he's big on is you have one time to complain and then we find a solution. And that it doesn't mean like about overall life. It just means on some like, you know, like one issue at a time. So if you have a particular issue, like you have one time to just vent and let it all out, like just let it out. And then we find a solution, but we're not going to be repetitive about it. So it's just like all of those things matter, in my opinion. And that's why it's also great to, that's why I also believe like in some coaches don't believe in free um, in-person assessments or a Zoom call. I like hearing my clients speak. I like seeing them one time for the one time so I can kind of figure out how, like how they are, because then I can bluntly say, hey, maybe be and again, this is just me being big on like, I'm not going to take your money and not give you results. So if I see how you are and I feel like maybe you're a little bit too much for me, or maybe I'm not enough for you. I have literally a list of coaches I could direct you to. And in that list, each of it has a little bit of notes, like underneath it as to the pros of that coach. So that way you are aware you have their contact information and you can like, you know, like do better research on which one may be like better for you. Yeah. And honestly, that's great because I've definitely, I had to learn the hard way as a coach myself. Like if someone is with you and you can tell like, like the vibe's not right. Like, and it's not that I may be a bad coach or it's not that they might be a bad client, but like we together are just not working. It's completely okay to refer out. And it's better on me to refer you out as opposed to me trying to force it to work. And then all of a sudden there's like a bad taste in the mouth at the end of the relationship. So yeah. Like girl, not, not all money is good money. Um, mm. It's like some, and like, it's like you said, like, it's not always you. It's not always the person. It's just, and people need to realize this too, just because two people do not click. It does not make those individuals like bad people or monsters or like, you know, like whatever. However, when you have two people who just, and this is just human nature, I'm not sure if anyone has ever played Sims, where you try to put like two Sims with different personalities and lock them in one room, they're going to fight. <laughs> like, they're going to fight, but if you give them space, they're able to be cordial. Now, that, it goes like that too, because it's like, you just may not have the energy for that person and vice versa. So therefore, it's better to set them free. And this is where boundaries come in. Like, if you're not capable of working with someone, refer them out. Like, and it, like you said, like, it looks better on you because it's like, it shows that you're that confident as a coach where it's like, hey, like, I have the resource for you. So you just refer them out, protect your energy, protect your peace. And you set those, like, you just set boundaries. And that's like my favorite word of the year. It's, and mainly because like, I finally learned how to freely set boundaries where if I say no, I'm heavy on it. And I don't have to say it in a rude way. I don't have to say it in a way that's going to impact your emotions to the degree where you feel like I'm breaking you down. It's just, no, this may not work for me. And this may not work for you as well. But here are some resources. It's oh. better than you holding on to it. And like, then it leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And I 100% agree with you. So listen, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I do want to pivot back to your next competition, Shireen, where it's very clear that you have a squat goal of breaking that record. Do you have goals for your bench and deadlift? Whatever the Lord giveth. Um, <laughs> yes. Or 
for bench. Um, I have to change my mentality this prep. And my goal for bench for this meet, I would love to hit like a 300 to 320 bench. I say 300 to 320 because on meet day, it's literally chestnut checkers. So I like to stay within a realistic like standpoint um, in the case of me missing something because I want to go for an overall total as well. And then for my deadlift, I would love to hit 550 at a bare minimum and 575 at a bare maximum. Now, if I end up going for a fourth attempt on squat, fingers crossed, then I know 550 may be more in um, range. But it really depends on energy. Um, this meat is smaller, so therefore the flights are going to be moving faster. So that's another thing like I have to bear in mind. But those are the overall goals. Um, great thing is I actually spoke to Crystal Tate. Um, so it's great to see someone who set the bar so high, like comfortable with talking to people who's chasing like, you know, her spot. But yeah, I intend on trying to break that record this year. Um, squat and total. Amazing. And please remind the audience, the audience, what is the meet you're doing in October? Yeah, it's going to be live large in October. Live large in October. Where is it? It's going to be Ohio. Okay. Hey, that's not bad. That's kind of close. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Not too crazy of a travel. Okay. So Shireen, thank you so much for talking to me. I would love it, love it if you told the audience um, where they can reach out to you for coaching. Um, as of right now, because it was something that just like became new that started like um, super fast and grow, they could just reach out to me via Instagram, Sincerely Shireen, and classify like what type of training they need. And I am able to do it. I come from a track background, um, track and field, um, played soccer for a while, like when I was in school and then transitioned over to pretty much powerlifting. So yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure talking to you. If you're a woman and you love this podcast, chances are you're going to love my Facebook group, Strong Woman. Starting next week, we are going to be doing a free seven-day trial for Strong Woman where you get to learn about tips on lifting, proper form, nutritional advice, everything that I wish I knew when I was starting out in the sport of powerlifting, and you actually get technique advice directly from me, a world champion powerlifter. If you're interested in this, check out the link in the show notes.